It was an incredible Sunday last uh, Sunday, both in this worship space, but also uh, at our sister church, Wesley United Methodist Church, as those 29 families gathered together and, and we worshiped. And I, I just have been trying to stop and imagine what some of those conversations were like in the week leading up to last Sunday uh, about families. Some of them have been with us from the very beginning, 52 years ago. Some of them who have been with us through the last five years that we've been doing this project. Some who are newer to the church and, and have come along since then and just wondering what those conversations were like, those holy, sacred conversations about what can we do for God. And, and, and we want to do something amazing because we believe in this vision that the South Park community needs Jesus more than ever. Just like America needs Jesus more than ever, we celebrate Veterans Sunday today and, and a day in which we come in a country where we're free to come and worship as we feel led. And, and the roots of our history in America were that the church was the center of the town, one of the first things that was built and, and culture was built around that. And, and how that's what we're trying to do with our project in the, in the midst of busy South Park is to build the church in, in the center of a community just like we did you know, back in the beginning of the foundation of our country and, and try to reach a world in a country who's walking away from God and walking away from religion and, and our family members and our neighbors and our colleagues at work and the people we go to school with, the people that we care about, we want them to find a rich life in Jesus, living life to the full and and that's why we sacrificed our campus of 50 years. And that's why we're building a mixed-use development where people live, work, play, eat, shop. And, and we're trying to tap back into the roots of our history, but also doing something incredibly new and different. And, and we've got attention from all around the nation. Even people from Europe have come to visit and ask us questions. And, and I can imagine some of that stuff was just in those conversations about, God, this is such a unique opportunity, a once-in-a-lifetime thing that we get to be a part of. God, thank you. And I'm guessing some of those conversations were like, wow, you know, we're going to make this commitment and we're going to trust that God's going to provide for our needs. And we're stepping out in faith. And this is a sacrifice for our family to make this commitment to God. But we have faith that God will do what he says. He will provide for us and and he will take care of us. And I can imagine some of the conversations in these families that happened over the last five years and, and the excitement about the vision and, and then some of the stress and anxiety about the bumps along the way. And, uh, and you know, the more that I've been a pastor and been a, uh, a Christian and a follower of Jesus, it just seems like that's how it's always been and how it's always going to be. There's always something great to celebrate and there's always a challenge in front of us, always a surprise or a road bump that, that comes in the way and, and challenges us because we're trying to live lives of faith, evil one doesn't want that to happen and, and so tries to stir things up and just the perseverance of these 29 families, the perseverance of those of you who are sitting in here through the ups and downs of this journey. But it all comes back to we love God and we've been blessed by God and we want to give back to God. And I just I just treasure those conversations and I treasure the conversations that Laura and I have had and, and, and the fact that we're disappointing our financial planner by making our sacrificial gift. And it's just when we all came together last Sunday night and, and we carried our commitment cards up to the altar uh, and we placed them there, we prayed for them uh, and then we went and we fellowshiped with each other out in, in the fellowship area and none of us knew what we'd given. Uh, no one knows what anyone else has given, you know, but we didn't even know the lump sum then. But the joy and the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ who want to be a part of something bigger than themselves and share the love of Jesus, 
to be generous like Jesus who gave his life, who gave up heaven, who gave up his life so that we can be in a right relationship with God again. Just the joy of that group of 29 families coming together and sharing in that was priceless. And now look what they've done. They have given us a chance not just to meet our goal, but to shatter it and just imagine what we can do and how we can reach people for Jesus. And so I'm so excited that we all get to do that next Sunday. And so I invite you to continue to think and pray about what is it that God's calling all of us to do to be a part of this. There's a place for all of us in here. Again, from minimal fixed incomes to, to large incomes to, to everything in between, as long as we make a sacrifice based on what God has given to us and we do that together, then there's nothing that can stop us from reaching our community for Jesus Christ. And I'm reminded of some powerful passages of Scripture that I want to share with you today. And the first comes to us from the Apostle Paul, who was a pastor in the first century. He started a lot of Christian churches, wrote most of the New Testament. And, and he wrote a letter to Timothy, who was a young pastor. And Timothy had some questions about how to help his congregation understand how to deal with real-life issues like money. And so this is what Paul wrote to him in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds and what they do, their actions. And to be generous and willing to share what they have been given. Right? To be generous with our time, to be generous with our money, to be generous with our hearts. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. We're, we're laying up treasure somehow in heaven when we're generous on the earth. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And I think Paul's tapping back to Jesus' words in John 10, 10, when Jesus says, I came to give you life to the full. When, when we realize the blessings that God has given us and we share them with others through our actions and through our gifts and through our generosity, that helps us live life to the full now while we live on the earth. And it stores up some kind of treasures for us in the eternal kingdom of heaven. And I think these 29 families within our, within our own congregation know of the joy that Paul is speaking. They know what it's like to live life to the full on the earth and to make a difference and to share with others what they've been blessed with. And they've been storing up treasures in heaven. And it's a beautiful thing. As we look at that passage of Scripture, there's so much that we can walk away from that with. And, you know, one of the so what, what does this mean kind of moments for me is that generosity doesn't happen by accident. Right? It's, it's something that we have to plan for in our lives. It's something that has to be a part of our heart and a part of our lives. Paul encourages Timothy, this young pastor, to, to cultivate Christians who are generous. To say, you know what? God has given me everything that I need. In fact, I have more than I need. And so it's good for me to give my time and give my money back to God so that other people can be blessed. And in the process, I can be blessed as well. And I see that lived out in our church week in and week out and day in and day out. And, and just what an incredible example this is. And so as we think about how generous Jesus was to give up heaven, to give up his life for us, then it becomes easier for us to think about how we can be generous in return so that other people who are far from God can find a personal, loving relationship with Jesus just like we have and live life to the full and, and live forever in the kingdom of heaven. And, and as we begin to think about what does it look like to live a generous life, how can we practically do that? There are a few steps that, that, that I would suggest that we could pray about together. I think these 29 families have these steps kind of down. And I think one of them is simply that we, we need all in our lives to have a budget. 
a budget for how we spend our money and a budget for how we spend our time. I know that the budget's kind of like a, a, a the B word for some of us as a negative kind of a word, uh, right? It's, it's basically it's a map, it's a plan. Okay, I have this much money. How am I going to spend that? I have, you know, this much time in my life, in, in you know, in a, in twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, right? How am I going to give that time and that money the best use that it needs to make? Right? And so from a scriptural standpoint, it says that all of our resources, we should always commit to God first what we're going to do. Hey God, I've got 24 hours today. I've got seven days this week. Right? This is how I'm going to serve you, Lord. Right? Obviously, hopefully in everyday activity, but I'm going to serve in our church this way. I'm going to serve in the nonprofit this way. I'm going to give you this time. I'm going to, this is guaranteed time and the, and the rest is going to happen. Right? The same thing with our money. Lord, I have this amount of money. And so I'm going to make a, a, a plan, Lord. I'm going to give you the first X amount, and then the rest I'm going to, I'm going to take care of, right? Uh, then I'll give my taxes. Then I'll take care of my clothing and shelter needs and education needs and all that kind of stuff. God, you are first in my life with my time and my money, with my checkbook and with my calendar, right? We've talked about some of those kind of guidelines and how we can kind of do that. And you know, another passage comes to mind this time from Matthew's gospel, the first book in the New Testament. Gospel means the good news of Jesus. Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. And so he records some of Jesus' words himself in Matthew six twenty four and 25. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God, both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes, right? So Jesus says, we either love God or we love our stuff. We either love God or we love our time, right? Who's Lord of our life? And so when we budget and we set aside our resources first for God, saying, God, no matter what happens, I'm going to do this for you with my time and my money. It says, you are Lord of my life, God. Money's not the Lord of my life. My counter's not the Lord of my life. God, you are Lord of my life. Right? And that doesn't mean then that we have to neglect our families or taking care of ourselves, right? That's why God gives us time and money is, is to take care of ourselves and take care of people, right? We've got to eat. We've got to have clothes. We need shelter. We, we need education. I mean, all those kind of things. And so I want to jump back to Paul again in, in Timothy as he's talking to this young pastor. And this is what he says in helping people understand how to deal with their money. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So God doesn't want us to neglect our families and, and take, you know, not take care of ourselves. God first, then family, and, and then the rest of the stuff, right? And so we, we're not asked to, to neglect our families. So to have a plan. To make a budget, there's all kinds of resources that can that can help you. Uh, you know, this percentage should go towards housing. This percentage should go to food. This percentage should go to clothing. That sort of thing. I'm, I'm not going to bore you with all that. And and you folks are smart people. You can Google that kind of stuff. But the intent is, do we honor God first? Because God honors us first with our lives, and with His Son, and with our salvation. Do we set aside the first things for God with our time, and with our money? In our budgets. I think another way that we can be generous is to live simply. Right? We, we don't need so much stuff and we don't need so much activity, right? We, I just I see so many families that are swamped because they have so much debt. 
Uh, or they feel so bad because they have so much stuff in their house and clutter that just it creates anxiety for them. Or, or that they're running around so crazy throughout the week that they don't have time to stop and sit and be a family and enjoy each other's presence, to stop and come and worship God, that we, we just get so crazy that, that our lives are out of control when I think the Bible calls us to live a simple life. It's interesting, too, uh, that show, The Millionaire Next Door. I don't know if you ever saw that show, but it says that a lot of people who have like a, a high uh, uh, portfolio or a high uh, worth or amount of money that they have, uh, net worth, are usually everyday people you wouldn't expect. They live in average houses. They drive average cars. They wear average clothes. They just save really well, and they're generous with what they do. They love what they do, and... And they're rewarded for that, but they live a simple life. And it has given them a lot of freedom and a lot of, not a lot of debt, right? No debt for most of them and not a lot of uh, clutter and all that kind of stuff that gets into our lives. So could we live a more simple lifestyle to allow us to be more generous and have more peace of mind in our own lives? Right? And, you know, we've talked some about how money can really get between us and God and and that's true. It can become an idol for us. Uh, but there are a lot of people who have money and wealth who worship God and they're happy because they are very generous with what God has given to them. King David was wealthy. A woman named Lydia in the New Testament was very wealthy. She helped start the, the early church and she welcomed her. She opened her home to welcome the church into it. And so Joseph of Arimathea was wealthy. He's the one who gave up his tomb for Jesus to be buried in. So there are a lot of wealthy people in the Bible but they surrender their wealth to God, right? They love what they do. They're good at what they do, but, but they honor God first, right? So to live a simple life. And I think the third thing we can do, right? We have a budget. We live a simple life is set goals for generosity, right? God, I'm going to give you this percentage of my money. I'm going to give you this percentage of my time. And I'm going to track that. And I'm going to make sure that that happens. And and this is a very important point, right? It doesn't matter how much money that we make. We all have the same amount of time, so we're all equal on that playing field. But it doesn't matter how much money we have. It's, it's what we do with that money, right? And so if we trust God to take care of us and we give to God, we take care of our families, right? When we, if we make a sacrificial gift, that's what's important. Right? It takes all of us. So again, those 29 families, we had some who are, are very limited fixed income retirees. Uh, we have some middle of the road kind of folks. We had some wealthy kind of folks. What brought us all together was based on what God has given us, we made sacrificial gifts. Right? And God honors that. And we trust God. And it, it's just this amazing feeling that there's a place for all of us and what God has called us to do in being generous. So next Sunday, uh, we're going to have our commitment Sunday. This Sunday, or this week, you'll receive a mailing from the church, and it's going to have two commitment cards in there. And so we're asking everyone to continue to pray about making two commitments to the church uh, next Sunday. If you're not here next Sunday, you know, you can bring it the next time you're in church. We'll send it out electronically, all that kind of stuff. But we're asking you to pray about making two 
commitments to God. The first, we got a picture of it, is, is our commitment card for 2019 for our ministry to serve God here in the church, right? So we write down, these are the areas that I'm going to serve. I'm going to sing in the choir. I'm going to do set up and take down, right? It takes a lot of us to, to make Sunday happen. I'm going to serve with the children. I'm going to serve with the students or in, uh, and teach my class, you know, all kinds of ways that we're going to serve God through 2019. And then how much we're going to give to God financially to support the ministries of the church, right? So this is a primary thing. If we don't do these things, we don't have church. And so that's a one-year commitment that we're asking everyone to make. We do this every year. Then the second card that you'll have in there, we've got a picture of that, is our capital campaign commitment card, the Love South Park Initiative, where we're building this you know, church in the midst of a mixed-use development so that we can reach our community for Jesus. This is an ask over and above what we give to the church in 2019. This is a two-year commitment, the capital campaign commitment from December 2018 through December 2020. We're trying to raise $1.65 million. We've already got 1,015,180 of that committed. Right? And so this will be an opportunity for us to make those two commitments next Sunday. Now this week, as we're continuing to think and pray about it, We've got uh, in your cup holders today, you should receive this uh, toolbox. It just is a way of talking about our project and helping us understand some opportunities to be generous. Uh, as you kind of flip through there, I think the second page uh, has some ways that we can give that we might not have thought about before. Like budgeting, we talked about that. Uh, redirecting our current expenditures, uh, increases in income, extra work. Uh, we have personal property, all that kind of stuff. There are different ways that we can give to God and be generous with that. Uh, the next page talks about just small changes. If uh, has a big impact. If we all gave up, you know, one cup of coffee a month, or if we all gave up two large pizzas a month, or <laughs> one round of golf a month, it shows you that that can have the impact of up to like you know three hundred sixty thousand dollars. If we all just did something like that to make a a sacrifice like that, and then uh, on another page we have a picture of this is a, a gift profile guide. Right, this is just kind of an, an idea of what we need, the various levels of gifts that we need to reach the $1.65 million. And you can see some at the top are, are very big numbers, and it goes down to like you know $3,600. And then there's, there's many other commitments below $3,600, right? Again, there's, there's a place for all of us, right? So in those, those 29 gifts, there were some that were below the $3,600 level, and they're very important. Right? We all give according to what God calls us to give. We had some in the middle. We had some near the top of this chart. Right? So what's important is that we look at what God's blessed us with, and then we pray about making a sacrificial gift. And what I'd like to ask you to do is something that Laura and I did, is we looked at this gift-giving profile, and our eyes settled on a certain number. We thought, well, we can do that, and we can be comfortable in doing that. We thought and prayed a lot about it, and we, we went a ladder step up from that. And I'm sure that a lot of those 29 families in our church took a ladder step up from that, right? And that's, that's where the faith is. And that's where the sacrifice is. It doesn't mean that we're not going to feed our families or anything like that, but it's a step in faith saying, God, I trust you that you have my back. You will take care of me. You will have, make sure I have what I need when I give to you because I love you and I trust you and I want to be a part of something bigger than who I am. So I invite you to take this home, read through it, Pray about it. Uh, talk to your family about it. Uh, and I think it helps us make uh, a decision that's going to be very important for next week. Thank you. So in the early church, in the first century, as Christianity began to spread from the Middle East out into Europe, there was a group of warriors 
who converted to Christianity. And they were mighty warriors, and, but they found the loving, saving power of Jesus. And uh, they came to be baptized, and they'd be baptized in rivers or lakes, that sort of thing. And uh, this specific group of warriors, though, when they were baptized, they were you know, fully immersed. They did something kind of curious. Every one of them, when they were baptized, they kind of held one of their arms outside of the water. They, they just had one arm, whether it was their right arm or their left arm. There wasn't a clear pattern about that, but they would always hold one arm out of the water when they were baptized. So the priest began to you know, wonder what's going on and ask them, you know, what are you doing, right? You, you know, what's going on with the one arm thing? And they said, well, we love Jesus and we commit to God and we want to be Christians. We want to give all of ourselves to God with one exception, right? We're warriors and the arm that we hold out of the water when we're baptized is the arm that we hold our sword with. And so we're going to give ourselves all to God with the exception of we still got to fight. And we're not going to give our, 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 our sword-wielding arm to God. So they didn't fully give to God. They gave to God mostly. And uh, so I thought that was interesting. Now, when we're baptized today in the 21st century America, you know, I've never seen anybody hold their arm out of the water, you know, or don't get my arm wet, Pastor Kyle. You know, i got to take care of that arm. Uh, but I'm wondering, though, if some of us internally don't do that. Uh, and instead of us withholding our sword-wielding arm, I wonder if some of us in our, in our world, in our community, in our nation today, we give ourselves to God, but we, we don't give God the arm that holds the wallet. Or we don't give God the arm that holds the purse. Or we don't give God the arm that holds the calendar. Right? I'll give you money, God, but I, I can't give you my time. Or I'll give you time, God, I, I can't give you my money, I can't give you my wallet, I can't give you my purse. And, I just wonder if that's still going on. And I'm wondering, if, what is it in our own lives that we've yet to surrender to God? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's something else entirely. But I think that's something that we would want to look at. Because when Jesus came, he said, I gave you everything. I left heaven. I gave you my body. I gave you my blood. I gave it all so that you could be in a right relationship to God. So you can live forever in the kingdom of heaven. You can have life to the full now. I came to give you all. And in return, I ask you to surrender all to me. I did the heavy lifting on the cross. I, I invite you to, to surrender to me. And I would just invite you to think about that in your own lives. Right? What is it that might be holding you back from truly serving God? It might not have anything to do with money at all or calendar. It might be something else. What is it that, that's holding us back? And to be truly generous to Jesus, we've got to let that go. And, and we can do that because He is our example. And so I wonder what it was for those 29 families in their lives at some point that they had to surrender and say, Jesus, I give you all of it. I give you it all. How, how could they surrender $1,015,180 right, to do that? Now, to put that in perspective, we have about 300 active families in the life of our church. Uh, so 29 families is 10%. 10% of our church is committed 61% of our goal. Right? Of those 300 families, we have about 180 families who give to the church financially. Uh, and that means that there's about 120 families that give nothing to the church financially. What if we all gave to the church Financially, what, what if we gave to the support the 2019 budget? What if we gave to the capital campaign? 
We could shatter our goals. What if all of us gave sacrificially to God? We wouldn't even have to have a capital campaign. Pastor Nancy and I were talking about that, right? If we all did that, just imagine the lives that we could change, the joy that we could experience, the treasures that we could build up in the kingdom of heaven, right? Folks, we can do something incredible. God has given us this vision that no one else has been given, and it's just so awesome that we get this opportunity to be a part of something so much larger than ourselves. And again, I just wonder about those conversations of those 29 families. And, you know, one of the last things that we talked about in the worship service last Sunday night, I just I invited everyone in the room to think about, you know, how our country is becoming less and less religious. And the fastest growing group is the non-religious. And, and to think about one person in their lives. And I invite you to think about that. Who's the one person in your life that you love so much that doesn't know Jesus? And you want it for them so bad. You want them to, to receive the forgiveness of Christ, to receive the joy of Jesus, to receive the peace of Jesus, to, to know that they're going to heaven and we don't have to worry about them going to hell, right? That, that, that we can help them fight off the hell that we experience in this life, right? Who's that one person that you love and you are so wanting to find Jesus? What would you do to help them find Christ? I think that's what motivates the 29 families. I know that's what motivates me and Laura. Right? It's, it's about our friends. It's about our families. It's about our neighbors. It's about the people we work with. It's about the people we go to school with that we just want so badly to come know the loving, saving power of Jesus that we know. That's what it's all about. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Right? Who is that person? And what would you be willing to do to help them come to faith in Jesus Christ? Generosity doesn't happen by accident. So I invite you to, to thank and to pray, to, to join Laura and me, to join our 29 families that step forward, to come back next Sunday and to make two commitments to follow Jesus Christ to support the ministry of the church, to support this capital campaign so that we can reach people who are far from God, so that we can be as generous to the world as Jesus has been to us. What an exciting day. What an exciting journey. What an exciting response from our leaders. What an exciting opportunity that next week all of us get to be a part of this together. So think and pray. Who is it that needs Christ in your life? And how can we come together next week and make a sacrificial commitment to be as generous as Christ, to do everything in our power to share the love of Jesus with our community? What an amazing opportunity. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.